things seem just out of your reach. Faces and places seem strange and they unsteady your feet. You lay your head down thinking nobody cares. Hi, you guys. Uh, welcome back. This is Richard Sachs, your host on Lost Arts Radio, and I uh, appreciate your being here very much. We have a friend of ours who's been uh, very busy all the time and still is, and we've been waiting months and months to get her back on. Dr. Sherry Tenpenny, I'm not going to uh, spend time going over a long bio because she has thousands of interviews all over the place, and if you don't know who she is, you can look it up, but... Um, this is not going to be a typical interview where she just has to get bored repeating what she said hundreds and hundreds of times, although that's very worthwhile. We're going to go take it a little bit further this time and um, see what you think, Dr. Tenpenny. I'm going to give us a, a real quick uh, rundown of where we are now, and then we'll just see where, where the discussion goes. And thanks for being here. I deeply appreciate it, and it's a treat to see you. Thank you so much, Richard. You know, it seems like time just flies in between things on a daily basis. I mean, it's hard for me to believe this is the second going into the second week of February already. I mean, weren't we just weren't we just saying Merry Christmas like about a minute and a half ago? Yeah, I have to check what year it is. (laughs) Seriously, I get it. I get it. So here's what I was thinking, and and these are just spontaneous discussions, of course. But I thought a place to start, rather than just repeating the usual sequence of of discussion points is where we are now and and we're beyond the point of sitting around and doing entertainment or anything like that this is a serious uh point of um decision for humanity and it it really boils down with in spite of all the physical details it boils down to a consciousness test and you know to see where things go in the future and where we are now, I think, and we'll see what Dr. Tenpenny thinks about that. We've got almost all the power positions in the world infiltrated by uh, dark forces that are following orders from the level right above them and above them and above them. And it goes up to a place where it's not about money. It's about what really looks to me still like a ritual sacrifice of the whole biosphere, not just humans. And it needs to be turned around before it goes any further. And we can look at basically what's happening now in the current state of affairs, but it's really up to us. We've been walking around thinking that we're helpless and that's part of the programming and the hypnosis and that can be broken. So um, time is really valuable at this point. We're just saying how fast it goes by and, um, there's not some better time in the future to wait to do whatever your life needs to have done to it so that you can be a better contribution to the world and yourself at the same time. So what do you think about that, Dr. Tenpenny? And if whatever you think, I I would like to start with 
a brief recap of where we are now and the issues that have to be dealt with and then go from there. Um, Well, where we are now is heading into the third year of, for some people, absolute coma and goose-stepping to the continual propaganda and continuing to believe the lies as if they were truth. They bought the deception lock, stock, and barrel, and they aren't giving it up. And then there's another group of people who have slowly been analyzing the facts and and over time and far too slowly, as far as I'm concerned, and I'm sure as far as you're concerned, too, are starting to say, you know what, we really have been lied to. And I think that those people to extend an olive olive branch to them and say, you know what, we've all been scammed at some point in time in our life. We've all had a bit, we've all been sold something by a salesman that we really didn't want. We took it home and it broke. And we, you know, thought we were going to get into a good business deal and it went sour. I mean, we've all had losing deals in our life, however you want to define that. So it comes down. So, so what? So it's sort of like fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice. I'm not going to let that happen. And once you know what you know, you can't unknow it. And and as you start learning things, the acceleration pathway, it's like it drips, 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 and then it turns into a raging river. So I think we've got a lot of people who are coming to grips with, we really have been lied to and enough is enough. Then, of course, there's the third group of people like you, me, and probably a lot of your listeners who were awake to what the scam was and what they were trying to do in terms of total population control, uh, moving us all into the transhumanism movement, hooking us up electronically to the Internet of Things, which, by the way, has now been um, has now been demonstrated by three completely separate labs, one in Spain, one in Germany and one in New Zealand, about the nanotechnology and the microchips that are in the, the micro circuits that are being injected into us. Yeah. And so I think that's sort of a summary of where we are. Where we're going, and particularly with that middle group, because that first group that they are, it's, it's like, um, it's like the parable of the sower in the Bible. You know, the one group is like hard, rocky soil, and it doesn't matter how much you, you, you do to them. They will always be hard, and the birds will pluck it away, and it doesn't really matter. I would say those people in your life, that no matter what you say to them, no matter what videos or radio clips or how much data you put in front of them, if they're like, that's just conspiracy theory, you guys are all crazy. I honestly, at this point in time, would pray for them, bless them, and let them go. They are not worth your life force energy to try to keep cracking them over the head with a bat. Where Mm -hmm. the real opportunities are, are the people in the middle that are really moving forward. And I think, and what I think is the biggest, biggest representation of those people is the truckers. In Canada and the truckers that are coming together all over the world. These are people we bought that have been sitting around for two years going, daggone it, somebody needs to do something. Grumble, grumble, grumble. Somebody just needs to do something. And those truckers got up off their car couch, filled their trucks with gas and said, we're going to do something. We're driving clear across the country. We're creating a caravan and we're going to go over and make some noise. We are going to be heard. which I think has been serving as an inspiration for the whole world, that it doesn't matter what you do, just do something. Get up off your couch, get participating, go to the school board meeting, show you're not going to let your kids be masked. Um, Tell your employer, fine, fire me. Oh, yes, fire me. Go ahead and fire me. Then I can apply for unemployment, Um, not because I quit, but because you fired me. And 
I'm going to leave this job. Oh, it's the same job I've been complaining about for the last 20 years. So I guess I'm going to trust God that there's something bigger and better in store for me. I'm mm-hmm. going to do something. I think this third year of this tyranny, quite frankly, is going to, it's starting out with a roar. And I think it's going to be the year of action where people, the first year they cowered in fear. The second year they sort of tapped their fingers on the table like, when is this nonsense going to be over? And now that we're heading into a third year, I think people across the world, there are freedom-loving people, God-loving people, inspired people that are saying, enough, and I'm going to go do something about it. And it's happening all over the world. It's spreading, and it could actually lead to a positive outcome. And I, I should have said one thing about your background, and that is that the two reasons that I really wanted you to be on the show, one one is on the surface I think you're probably, you know, due to what you put into it, one of the most, maybe the most knowledgeable person on vaccines on the planet. And that's not an ego thing. That's just what it is. You know, you put in that many thousands of hours and with an open mind. And that's a discussion in itself because so many people that go through what they call higher education. I know I've been a victim of it myself. And and what happens is that you get so programmed of memorizing things that you think you learned, but you actually memorize them, an example of which is safe and effective. And you get taught these by authority figures and peer pressure. And if you don't give the right answer on tests, you don't succeed. You don't get through the school. And to get through that, going along with it and then keeping your common sense and perception intact is incredible. And, you know, there are a number of people who who did that, but it and, and I'm going to shut up in a minute, but I think this is an important point that s- some of the doctors, you know, they're falling into different groups. Many of them are in that group that just really resist any actual education and they just keep repeating what they've memorized. But there's another group, really well motivated, highly intelligent, that don't realize they're still victimized. They think that a lot of the well, they think many of them rush to say, I'm not anti-vax and all, all the rest of the vaccines are great. But this one has a problem. But the science of vaccinology is proven and, you know, safe and effective and safe from polio and all that stuff. They don't realize they're still caught in the matrix of that. And once you get out of that, then you can start putting as, as a piece into a bigger picture and looking for solutions, which is what matters. So. One reason I wanted you on is because you put those things together. And the other, which is more important, is I think you're a spectacular person in general. And and realize that everybody in the world is selfish, but the people who are more in-depth aware know that the the fate of everyone is tied together. So the, the most generous thing you can do is take care of yourself. And the most selfless thing you can do is that and then share it with everybody else it makes you valuable so i just wanted to bring that up but why do you think do you think i'm right about the reason that many of these great doctors and i i don't need to name them right now because i'm not i'm not trying to shame them but they get part of it and they absolutely can't get the rest and i think an example of that is saying that yes this virus and and variants are terribly dangerous and by by implication, they exist. And I think that's seriously questionable. Agreed. Right. I mean, nobody has proven they exist at all. And, and the magnitude of the scam is just incredible. And yet, 
I have faith in our bioweapons labs. I don't think that they just threw away that money. They did as much damage as they could. And there is evidence of a bioweapon, not just in the injections, but there is a unique syndrome that's been going around since the beginning of this scam. And I'd be interested in your insight about what that actually is. A unique syndrome, as in um, hypno- hypno- mass hypnosis, and um, is that what you're talking about? Well, there is that one, but there's another one that I'm seeing a lot where people are in the hospital before the hospital kills them, and their lungs are working fine, but they can't get oxygen. And if that was always there, what was it and what is it? Well, at the very, very beginning of this um, thing that they mm-hmm. call a pandemic, Right. At the very beginning, when everybody in New York City, you remember, they, they put up an entire tent that they never used. That would have taken care of hundreds of people. That was never used. And they brought in a ship, like a USSO ship, that right. they were going to put, it, that was never used, ever. Yeah. And then we've got um, a mil- uh, thousands of people that, you know, in, in the hospitals, and we heard Cuomo week after week after week screaming, ventilators, 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 we got to have ventilators, right? Well, wow. in the backdrop of all of that that was going on, the, on the front scene to terrorize everybody, mm-hmm. there were two very small little studies that were done that got no press and no circulation. But I started looking into what was wrong with the blood what was wrong right. with the blood? And one of the risk factors for early severe COVID was if you got a blood test and your ferritin level was extremely high and your free iron level was really high. So it was like, what was happening that there's inside of your red blood cells, there's a protein called hemoglobin. Mm-hmm. And globin is really the protein and it has a little, it has a molecule of iron, which is heme, you know, attached to it. And it's the iron coupled with the globin, the protein together that allows oxygen to bind to your red blood cells and get carried and distributed to all of your organs in the body. Well, something was clipping the iron off of the globin. So if you don't have iron and globin together, you can't carry oxygen through your body. And I was trying to figure out what was it? Was it the virus, this virus that kind of acted like a parasite because it responded to hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin? What really was causing that to clip aside? And one little study came out, one tiny little case report that this, um, that somebody else was thinking like I was. And when they had these patients that came in that were struggling to breathe, that they couldn't breathe, instead of giving them, um, putting them on a ventilator and trying to tr- force more oxygen into their lungs, mm-hmm. they gave them two units of packed red blood cells. They gave them two units of blood, r- packed red blood cells, but that had normal hemoglobin in it. Okay. And all their, and all their symptoms went away. So their lungs were working fine in, in putting oxygen into their body and getting rid of carbon dioxide. But right. the carrying capacity, the thing that picked up the oxygen and took it to your blood, was not working correctly. It was the red blood cells that were broken. And when we put the red blood cells in, normal ones, it picked up the oxygen and took it to the various parts of the body. So and the question knew- is what was doing that, right? Uh, yeah, and I, it, 5G can do it. 
5G vibrations can do it. Parasites can do it. I have an entire folder that I w- of stuff that I was going to dig down and dig through. And, you know, I just got distracted with the mask issue and the social mm. distancing and the fraud of the PCR testing. And then at that time, they started um, bringing out the shots and we had to talk about the horrible things about the shots. So honestly, mm. Richard, I never got back to that folder that's sitting on the desktop of my computer to okay. really start digging down through what was causing that disruption and why aren't we three years later looking at treating the blood instead of blaming the lungs as being the problem yeah and that and that you know one of the bottom lines to all that without knowing the details because you didn't have time to go back is that there was something happening i don't think there's any evidence it had anything to do with the virus but there was something going on enough to get the initial panic started it wasn't only the newspapers and it was interesting, you know, I thought it might be connected with 5G, too, because of the effect on oxygen molecules uh, of 5G. But the reason I dropped that is because the people that were given hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin were cured, and then they were released into a 5G environment, and they were still fine. Well, I don't think that that's going to make them be just fine. I mean, the... You know, you said a, a 5G free environment? No, 5G environment where there was still the 5G blasting out. But after they got the treatment, the good treatment, they were okay. They didn't immediately have the same thing happen. Well, I don't, you know, you know, there's there's more and more studies that even there's been a ton of studies showing the problems with 5G. Yeah. And, and recently there have been. Uh, several studies I've seen quite long papers, actually, like 14, 15 pages long, which is pretty long for a, a journal article yeah. showing what 5G and, you know, can do. The concern I've had is like all the people that go into the hospital, they get, they can't breathe. They get a cat skin of their lungs and the doctors go, it's a ground glass appearance. We know it's COVID pneumonia. Right. I just want to like strangle somebody because it's not, I mean, you've taken no sputum samples. You've done nothing, nothing but swabbed their nose and said, oh, it's positive, which, as we know, for the most part, means nothing. Right. The ground glass appearance is really an autoimmune inflammatory reaction. And these people should be treated, these very, very sick people in the hospital with very high doses of steroids. You know, uh, Dr. Pierre Corey has said it should be 250 to 300 milligrams of, of dexamethasone high dose to really cut down the inflammation because the antibodies that have been formed either by this virus or yeah. by the shot against the spike protein, the antibodies, the number one thing that that antibody can do is attack your lung tissue and an autoimmune immune reaction and start breaking it down at the level of the alveoli and the alveoli for your listeners are the tiny little sacs where it exchanges oxygen and carbon dioxide and the antibodies attack them and break them down right so what's happening in their lungs is not covid pneumonia it's covid or antibody induced autoimmune disease that needs to be treated with high-dose steroids. And instead, the CDC guidelines say the most you could use is three to six milligrams, which is like, you know, spitting on a raging fire. It's not nearly enough to do anything. And so the doctor's hands have been hamstring and tied. They've not been allowed to use the most appropriate tools for the people who are really sick. 
Um, it's, it's what's happening inside of our hospitals. I mean, they really are like death centers now, Richard. Mm-hmm. I mean, people back in the 1400s, people used to go to the hospital to die. Because that's where they went. There wasn't any place else to go. And they went to the hospital to die. And right. now people are going to the hospital to be killed. They're actually being murdered right. by, by inappropriate, inappropriate drugs that give <clears throat> the wrong drug at the wrong dose given at the wrong time right. or the wrong condition. And the drugs that are approved to be given within three to five days of dosing cause multi-organ system failure, particularly to the kidneys, and people are dying in the hospital. And what's so just infuriating to me, and you sort of alluded to it a minute ago, about the doctors. I mean, the doctors don't get it. It's it's sort of like they left their differential diagnosis hat at the door on December 31st of 2019. And for your listeners who don't know what differential diagnosis, what that technically means, it means if somebody presents to your... clinic or to your emergency room with say a symptom. And so let's say the symptom is shortness of breath. Right. There can be a long list of things that can cause shortness of breath. Is it your lung? Is it your, is it reflux? Is it something to do with your heart? And a long list there you make is as a physician, what you're taught to do and you're educated to do is make as long a list as possible of what the possible cause is for that shortness of breath. And then you rule it out until you make the diagnosis of what's causing it. That long list and then narrowing it down to the thing causing the shortness of breath is called differential diagnosis. Doctors don't do that anymore. Everything is COVID. It doesn't matter. You can have a gunshot wound to the head. It's real, it's COVID. You know, it's like they just don't do it anymore. And they're not willing to. And the other thing they lost in 2019 was not only their ability to create, to do differential diagnosis and do appropriate diagnostic diagnostics to get to the right diagnosis and then the correct treatment. They, um, they've lost, they become, um, They've lost their ability to rational, to, to, to have critically thinking. And I think a lot of them have become illiterate. They don't know how to read anymore. They you just have can't to read. Give credit to the educational system for that, I think. No, you have to give credit to um, the brainwashing that has occurred amongst physicians. And that, the, and it's all, and, and quite frankly, in my opinion, it's all money driven. It's all economically driven. And, you know, because, um, you know, CMS, you know, Centers for Medicare and Medicaid, you mm-hmm. know, if a doctor, if someone goes in the hospital, they treat them with remdesivir and right. they do not treat them with ivermectin, then when they die, because they most likely will, <laughs> that uh, CMS will give, look at their hospital bill and give the hospital a 20% bonus. Because Doctors, they died of COVID. Because they died with remdesivir and without ivermectin and that the diagnosis was covid yeah you know and you could put covid down for anything right and i think you need to excuse me give credit to the ventilators too they're not drugs but they do really good job of killing people in a lot of cases but who puts them on the ventilator people just don't walk in and stuff a tube down their throat it's the doctors who prescribe the ventilator doctors are told uh, in a lot of cases, what to prescribe and what condition too, right? They're following a, a prescribed um, standard of care. They are practicing what by what we call algorithm-driven medicine. If yes, do this. If no, do that. 
and right, it goes all the way. Right, and that's right. all there is to it. Don't think outside the box. Don't try to do something different. Like yeah. give packed red blood cells, like give oral, in, you know, uh, um, hydrogen peroxide um, nebulizer yeah, treatments right. or budesimide treatments or to get people um, medications. I mean, you know, we've got doctors that have been stopped and discharged and fired because they're W-2 wage earners uh, by hospital systems because they want to give their patients the appropriate drug that they need. Yeah. You know, Dr. Paul Merrick's story is so heartbreaking. You know, what they stopped him from treating six patients in the intensive care unit, and he stood by and watched them die. Just and This is a, a physician who's been an intensive care doctor for more than 40 years, knew the right things to do with these patients. The hospital prevented him from doing them, and he watched his patients die, one of which was a 31-year-old woman with young children. And he told that story at a roundtable presentation that was put on by Senator, uh, you know, uh, in, in Washington, D.C. When Is that he, Ron Johnson, Ron Johnson's roundtable. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So um, it's remember uh, in, in the Nuremberg uh, trials, this big issue about just following orders came up. Yep. Just following orders. And, and it seems like that's what's going on all over the place at all the levels. Yep. And the doctors, I. I I give them no mercy because they, you know, when Ron Johnson said to Dr. Peter McCullough, when Peter first approached uh, Senator Johnson about having this hearing, Uh Ron Johnson said to Peter McCullough, where are the physicians? Why? I want them to come out swinging. Right. And instead, they hide in their corners. They disparage patients. They refuse to give appropriate treatment. We've got hospital systems who are now suing patients. Because the patients want to be involved with their with their loved ones' care, what country are we living in that a hospital system would hire yeah. lawyers to sue patients, families, because the family wants to have a say in their care? Right, and there's an analogy between the doctors that you're describing that go along with it, and the police that follow orders to beat up people because they don't have a mask on. Yep, exactly. Or forcibly put them on the ground and forcibly inject them. Yeah, know? yeah, that's been done, right? Yep. There's some incredible videos of that happening. Yep. I think the first ones were in uh, patients that had were mentally compromised with certain uh, conditions and they were being held against their will. And several people would hold them down and somebody would inject them. It was unbelievable. And now they're going after our children. Yeah, babies. In fact, and pregnant women. NVIC just put out an email this morning, I think, that warned people that they need to sign this petition not to let them do it to under five-year-olds. To, to under 18-year-olds. Yeah, but I think they were specifically in this email saying don't let them to do it under five years old. And the, but, you, but you know that we've got dead five-year-olds now, too. Yeah, and, and when I first heard that they were approving this to give to children five years of age, Richard, yeah. one of the things I said was, well, maybe, just maybe, six or seven million dead first graders will get somebody's attention. It's what, it makes you look at the mentality. Why, why is the just following orders mentality so strong? I believe that a lot of the people who've already received their injections, whether it's one or two and two in a booster, um, they are already part of the transhuman move, transhumanism movement. 
They have instantly, by quantum entanglement, been engaged with the supercomputers, the quantum computers that make Google's computers look like like your desktop. Yeah, and that you know what goes up can come down, and they are they are looking to create what's called the hive mind, H I V E hive mind, yeah. and so all of these people are now it's sort of like the back in the Star Wars next generation phase. Remember the Borg, you know, in mm-hmm. the Borg they would say, you know, resistance is futile. You will be assimilated and you will be assimilated into this hive mind because the Borg looked like a hive of yes. individual bees and were given specific numbers. They didn't have names, they were given numbers. Right. And I think that that's part of what they're doing to us because they want to create a node of us, an absolute replica of an avatar, and put us up into something equivalent to like the metaverse, that everything is virtual, that what we are existing as God's creation in flesh and blood will be inconsequential because we are not because we are not, we, we, we failed as what we are. And now that we will be electronic and we will be hooked up to the hive mind, that we will own nothing and, and, re- and be happy. And right. because we will all be collectively, externally regulated and controlled. It's already happening. This is not some sci-fi thing that's going to happen somewhere out in the distance future. It's happening. It's already been happening. It's happened over the last year and a half. So what's represented by what's going on with the truckers, do you think? Um, Like I said, there's a group of people who said, I'm tired of hearing people say something needs to be done. I'm going to do it. Yeah. And And it's inspiring. And it's waking up all of us, the people that were in a coma about freedom of choice about doing what you want, about being able to travel and to have a job and and do the things that you wanted to do. And like the truckers have been saying, this is not an anti-vax protest. I mean, we've got people who are vaccinated, people who are not vaccinated, you know, people that are partially injected, people that are not. We've uh, got old people and young people and everybody saying, we want the t- tyranny to stop. Yeah. And yeah. that's what I think they represent. And they're risking... Everything, everything they've got to do that. Everything. Did, did you and, then when, and then to have GoFundMe steal their money under pressure. GoFundMe's the, got a track record of doing that. Yep, I know. They stole the money on the, they were raising money for the, for the border wall across the southern border. They had uh-huh. money they stole from that. They've stolen money from raising money for people that have, um, that are trying to get an organ transplant. Right. I mean, they are an, a nefarious, awful organization. Awful. Yeah. John Rappaport sent out an article today that investigated the background of GoFundMe. Everybody should look at that on lewrockwell.com. Oh, I wow. Had, I didn't know about most of the connections with CIA and Facebook and the whole thing. So did you see the recording uh, in the last day or so of the city council in Ottawa and how they were describing the truckers and making them into terrorists and insurrectionists similar to the January 6 million people that went to Washington. And they're saying that they're making it impossible for good citizens to go to work and go outside their house and everything. And it's a showdown now between the government reading those scripts and the truckers. 
Yeah, I did not see that, but it doesn't surprise me. And I have heard little things about, you know, they're stealing the gasoline for the truckers. And they're saying that the truckers are taking food from the homeless people, except the trucking industry, the head of the trucking industry, shipped in 40,000 pizzas and the ovens to bake them in. And we're giving food to the homeless. I mean, it's really just, um, you know, I think that the more that they do this stuff, you know, Richard, you know, it says in the Bible, you know, all things that will hidden are hidden will come to light. Right. And I think that all of this dark, nefarious stuff is going to come to light. It's yeah. going to. And the more that they people see that, that are supporting the truckers and what they've done all over the world. I'm telling you, when that trucker ca- uh, convoy first started, I don't know how many of those little videos I watched. A bunch. Yeah. I mean, some of them were longer than others. Some of them were on, like on TikTok that were just, you know, like two minutes long. I cried tears for joy. Literally, it's like I could well up right now. Every single one of them just so inspired me. The videos people- with the little kids telling the little truckers, kids, thank you. All of those. And the truckers talking about things and just watching the trucks go down, go down the street. You know, just to see them were so inspiring. It brought tears to my eyes, every single one of them. And so I thought, what, what, what is making this so emotional for me? It's that who would have ever thought? That blue collar world, blue collar right. truckers would be the ones that would stand up for everybody in the world. And I, we did a, we did a, an interview on our podcast with one of the uh, organizers on the first day when they were headed for Ottawa. Uh-huh. And I said that to him. I said, you know, it's, I mean, it's just so amazing in a good way that it's, truckers you know that are that are doing this that are standing up for the world and he said well you know truckers are kind of an unusual lot of people he said we're kind of loners you know we spend hours and hours on the highway by ourselves for the most part we right. like we're independent we like to set our own hours we like to do things that we want to do we don't like to be told what to do and so as a collective as a group he said i think that we represent the pioneer spirit of people that that from all over the world that want to stand up and just do their live their life and just be left alone and put government back in the box that it belongs in in the limited capacity of what government is supposed to do for us right. instead of being this tyrannical all controlling thing. It was very inspiring. In fact, if anybody wants to listen to that interview, um, yes, you can go you can definitely. go to my channel on Cloud Hub, you know, we have a Cloud Hub. I'm really promoting Cloud Hub for everybody. It's never censored. It's never taken down. It's huh. sort of a combination of Facebook and YouTube and a little bit of Instagram. You know, you can do messaging on it. They're constantly expanding and making it bigger. In fact, Cloud Hub just raised over $2 million for the truckers after, after, um, after uh, GoFundMe took their money. So they set up a campaign and raised over $2 million. I know uh-huh. Jeff Brain pretty well. He's the CEO of Cloud Hub. And I, I really like that channel a lot. We do, we do lives, we do live broadcasting every Monday morning on Cloud Hub and we actually do special broadcasts. So we do uh, every Monday, Monday, Tuesday and Thursday, we do live casts on Cloud Hub. And the interview that we did, if you just go to Cloud Hub and you just look for, uh, you know, Dr. Tenpenny for my channel, you'll okay. see the interview that I did with, uh, um, with the, the he, one of the head of the truckers uh, organizations over there. Cloudhub.com? Cloudhub, C-L-O-U-T-H-U, Cloud, C-L-O-U-T-H-U-B, Cloudhub.com. Okay. Set up a free account. Okay. All you guys that got stuff all over YouTube that's constantly being threatened or taken away, taken down, move it all over, upload it into Cloudhub, and you'll never lose it ever. 
I wonder if we should have uh, the head of CloudHub on as a guest and promote it. He would love that. And Jeff's a great guy. He's really, really a good guy. He really yeah. is. Want to give us a connection later to him? Yeah, absolutely. Because if yep. we can we can help groups like that, I think that's really worthwhile. Yep. Um, give, send, go is another good one, right? Give, send, go. Yeah, because they're separate. That's when I donated uh, quite a bit of money to the truckers, and that's what, where I go donated my money. was To, to give, the- send, go. Yep. Yeah, they were under a DDoS attack a couple of days ago for doing that, I think. Everybody is. It's all over the world. You know, our servers that, that house um, our boot camp and Learning for You, which is our educational portal, and all the things, it's constantly under attack. Yeah. Huge under attack yeah, at the D, at the DDoS level, which for people that don't know, it's like the highest level of the Internet. There's only eight servers that are that big. It's only mm-hmm. it's technically eight servers that kind of control the world. And so the servers that come underneath them are constantly building a fortress uh-huh. to keep to keep from um, being shot down by the attacks. Overwhelmed. What yep. you were saying about the truckers makes me think of the uh, similarity between them and the. I think it was supposed to be 3% of the Americans in the 1700s that ended up being part of the revolution, right? Similar spirit, except now, because of the state of technology and weaponry and things like that, people have realized this has to be done more in the spirit of Gandhi without violence. And that if it's done with absolute resolve and mass noncompliance and nonviolence, then it's really hard to overcome. It really is, because the first shot gives them the opportunity to drop nuclear. Exactly, exactly. And it can make, you know, since they own the media, the major media, they can make the uh, violent protesters look like terrorists. And they can can make it look like there's huge numbers of them. But then, of course, you know, when Black Lives Mattered and, and Antifa went through mm-hmm. our, our downtowns of some of our major cities summer before last and smashed in all of the, all the glass and set car dealerships on fire and, and burned down buildings. And all, that, 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 was mostly, that was mostly peaceful, though. That was mostly peaceful, yeah. That, it's incredible. I mean, if people realized that we've been taken over by this corrupt media, it would people would just faint about finding out what's really going on. Well, it's interesting, though, what's happening at CNN right now and how it's absolutely imploding from the top down. Yeah. You know, you, you get what you give. And so what they've been giving is nonsense, propaganda, lies, you right. know, adultery, you know, pedophilia, all this other stuff that's going on over there. Well, right. it's starting to come home to roost because, again, as it says in the Bible, you know, all things hidden will come to light. And as these things are coming to light and more that that move, what we call the movable middle is starting to get bigger, watching the truckers, watching all these events that are happening, starting to peel the scales, literal scales off of their eyes eyes right. to see that yeah i've been scammed i you know and, and sometimes that's so hard for people to just say you know they really you know they really scam me i you know i bought the kool-aid i did but no more i'm not I th- doing I it think it's hard for regular people to realize how evil operates because they don't relate to it you know they why would anybody want to be evil you know that doesn't make any sense right. and it actually doesn't make any sense because People who sell out to evil are just hurting themselves. So they're not really very smart, even though they're highly intelligent. 
Well, intelligence is, is just aptitude. It's just an ability to absorb information. You know, that's just, you know, but, you but really being smart is being able to take that and do something with it. Yeah, something that's useful, huh? Exactly. And you, you mentioned the idea of people starting to realize freedom. And, one, you know, we talked about that some of these doctors have a hard time realizing the depth of the scam, that the virus doesn't even exist in the beginning, and there's no proof that any way that it does. But there's other things that people are missing, basics, which is they come on shows and say, well, the outbreak is not that bad to take away everybody's freedom. What they're forgetting is like the virus doesn't exist, is that in a free country, even if the pandemic were real, you can't take away God-given rights. It can't happen. So if there were piles of bodies, the government can say, you sh- we think you should hide in your bathroom, but they can't make you do it. Because otherwise, your rights are conditional. And if they're conditional, anybody declaring an emergency and it's over. So in the beginning of of the principles of starting America, they had to decide between safety, you know, an authority figure taking care of you, and freedom. And they chose freedom and they said, it's not just for Americans, it's for everybody. God-given rights are not just in one country. And I think that's the realization is spreading. It's not about whether the pandemic is bad enough to make you a slave. It wouldn't matter how bad it is for that. Just can't be done. So. Well, and people need to get their, their hands up. They need to get hold of those, that steering wheel. Because if we actually accept that and know it, I mean, like, know it in your knower, know it. Know what? Then, that these are God-given rights and people can't take them away. Right. Now that they've taken them away, everybody, instead of knowing that these, they can't take them away, we're going back and asking permission to have our rights back. Exactly. We're asking permission of the slave owners to, to, to set us free. And we should have never been a, a allowed ourselves to be subjugated to be slaves in the first place. Yeah. So when that realization comes in, wow, you know, it's like, None of this has any basis in legitimacy at all. The average person says, what do you do? You know, if if I stand up for what's true, I lose my job. Everybody hates me. My friends think I'm an idiot. You know, this list of reasons you can't do that and you end up having to follow orders. It's a real choice for everybody, not just officials about following orders. I mean, it was the same with the mask mandates, right? If you walk into a store without a mask at certain times, the police, I was in a store where, you know, the police didn't get there, but I was physically thrown out by the store staff. And that's not pleasant. So the question is, everybody's dealing with this question of following orders, including in hospitals where the the order says protocol, put them on a ventilator, collect $50,000. You know, that's following orders. So what what would be good to say to people whose job is being in the police that are told to beat people up or in the hospital who are told to kill people on ventilators or teachers who are told to make your students memorize things you know are untrue? I mean, that's an issue. What do you tell them since you're not subject to that? It's It's all about the individuals deciding that 
I'm simply not going to do that anymore. You know, I'll tell you a quick story that there's a real, this is a true story. This happened just yesterday okay. to, a friend, to a friend of mine who was called for jury duty. And so he went to the courthouse and he said he was one of about 58 people that were there that were, you know, called to come in and, you know, do, do the thing for jury duty. And he was the only person in the entire courthouse that didn't have on a mask. Wow. And the security guard says, um, please take a mask. He said, okay. So he took a max out of the, max mask out of the box and stuck it in his pocket. Right, right. <laughs> and he went on about his business. He ended up going upstairs into this room where the, you know, the, they were going to be doing the selection, the jury selection. And the judge walks out. And, the, and he's the only person in the room that doesn't have on a mask. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, um, and the judge walks out and gives like a 10-minute kind of le- lecture or presentation or something about the, how, uh, how many people had died for the freedom to be able to have a jury, by, a right to a jury trial by, your, a, a trial by jury and to be judged by a set of your peers. And we should be grateful for all these people that died for this. And, and then, oh, by the way, these are the rules for the COVID protection rules for the courthouse. This is your slavery protocol. Right. And so my friend who's standing there, you know, he's he's probably six foot tall. He's a trim guy. But, you know, he's he's standing there and he has he doesn't have a mask on. And the judge said to him, he needed to put the mask on. He said, OK, so he puts the mask on when the judge does this whole tyranny thing and giving him the rules about the about the courthouse. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of it, the judge says, does anyone here have a problem with anything I said? He raises his hand. He takes off his mask and he said, you know, judge, I think it's really important. I, I agree with what you said about that. We should all be grateful that we have the right to a trial by jury. And if I were ever on the wrong side of the law, I would hope that I would have that privilege to right. be able to be tried by my friends. He said, but do you not see the conflict and the irony of you talking about the freedom to have a trial by jury? And yet we don't have the freedom to take to wear a mask or not. Don't you see the irony in that? And she said, I'm not going to rule on that. He goes, but I'm just asking a question. You ask if you had any problem. And she said, do you have a problem with wearing a mask? He says, in fact, I do. She said, are you going to violate a court order if I order you to put on this mask? And he said, well, he said, you know, he said, well, I was standing there thinking, well, I'm all in now. I guess I just better like, he said, I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, get thrown in jail. He right. said, but he said, he goes, yes, I will violate that court order because I believe I have a freedom to choose and I choose to not wear this mask. Right. And she said, okay, so you're dismissed from, from, you're dismissed. And so he walked out. And so I said to him, and I said, he said, big win, you know, and I said, there were 57 other people in that room that you planted serious seeds. I said, I wonder how many people after you walked out said, I'm not wearing a mask. I'm not going to wear a mask. I'm not going to wear a mask. <laughs> it got actually kicked out of the room. <laughs> how wonderful. Just imagine if it had happened quickly and everybody else in the room had taken off the mask while they were talking. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, I think they were waiting to see if the bailiff came and cuffed him and hauled him off the chair exactly. or something. Exactly. You know? So, so the, the orders are being followed at all these levels. You know, those jurors. Uh, candidates were following orders. The judge was following orders, probably being so many judges are told what to say, obviously. Right. I mean, that's part of the problem. The police are following orders. The medical staff is following orders. The teachers are following orders. I mean, in a lot of universities now, they used to be able to speak from their own wisdom and their experience. Now they're facilitators told what they have to say by the Department of Education. 
you know, or they lose their accreditation. And all these levels in society, there's a common mentality of following the orders because if you don't, you know, you're violating the court order or the doctor's order or whatever it is. So how do you get the strength to make the decision in the right direction for that kind of stuff? Well, are you going to, are you willing to die for your convictions? That's the question. That's the ultimate question. What would, are, make, what would make you willing to die for your convictions instead of take the convenient way not to do that? I think for me personally, and maybe for a lot of people, it's knowing that death has no sting and right. that, you know, we are only here in this temporal body for a short period of time. Absolutely. We're really a spiritual being having a physical experience. Yes. I mean, I, I read somewhere that somebody, I, I, I'm going to paraphrase this, but it just it made a, it left a, an image to me that somehow they were watching how long, when people had their, their heads chopped off, literally like guillotined off. Right. How, how long did it take before they were physically dead? Yeah. And, and it was seven seconds. Okay. And so to, so to me, and they watched a whole bunch of these, I don't know if it was a Saddam Hussein thing or, you know, something was happening in Iran. I don't know, but they okay. watched it and they, it was seven seconds. So the difference between life and death and being in this physical body and being a spiritual body going home to meet the Lord right. is seven seconds of maximum, seven seconds of pain. Mm-hmm. I think I can do that. And I, and I really think that it's more important to know that when I die, that when I stand before the Lord and he said, well done, good and faithful servant, you stood by you, the spirit of your convictions. You stood on your conviction about your spirituality right. and your physic. You were willing to die for what you knew was right and true. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree with you. It's uh, thinking about the bigger issue instead of the momentary convenience. I bought this book a while back, and it's called, it's from the Voice of the Martyrs, and I support their organization. And it's, uh, it's called, the name of the book is called Extreme Devotion. If you can see it, it's called Extreme Devotion. And the subtitle in the book is a daily devotion, daily devotional stories of ancient to modern day believers who sacrificed everything for Christ. And every story is one page long. And some of them came from a long time ago. Some of them are relatively new about being prisoners and that they were willing to stand on their conviction relationship with Jesus Christ and sacrifice everything, including their life. And so I thought I bought this to read it. Um, as a as a testament to my own to give me power in my own strength yeah. it's like if other people can do this i can do it inspiration gonna, is really valuable yep extreme devotion and who's extreme the author devotion. who's the author it's from it's a compilation from uh, the voice the voice of the martyrs voice of the martyrs okay um it's, it says over 1 million in print in 36 different languages. It's an international bestseller, and it's just an inspiration. Just, wow. Just an inspiration of like, it sounds to, me, incredible. to me, it's sort of like I feel like if, you know, I was just watching a video yesterday somebody sent me was talking about FEMA camps and, you know, COVID camps. And if we get to the place where they are going to be arresting us, I thought, I need a little human inspiration. Yes. I certainly get my spiritual information from the Bible, but a little human inspiration goes a long oh, way. It's super valuable. Um, 
Now, I, I had forgotten when we started, we need about 10 minutes before you have to go for talking to the private group. So we're going to wrap it up in a minute. But there are two physical level questions that I thought I should just get your quick feedback on. One is for people that have taken the injection and are wondering what's the best thing they can do to overcome the results, which I know people are still working on, but the latest your thought on that. And the other is the transfection idea and what's the situation in reality with people getting hurt by being around people that have gotten the injection. And I mean, you're going to have to come back in six months or whenever your next appointment is available, because there's also this issue of the latest theory about placebos, you know, within certain different lots, there are some that are designed within a certain company, whether it's Pfizer, Moderna or whatever design where they're going to have a bad reaction right away that can be seen. Others that don't, which they're assuming is a placebo, which I think is a mistake. I have more faith in those companies that they don't waste a chance to kill people if they have it. And issuing all these placebos would really be, you know, counterproductive in their mind. But um, anything you want to say on any of those three points, it has to be really brief. And then we'll go to the other section. Okay, the first question about what if you've had one, two, or three injections, and now you're regretting it? Yes. Um, well, as long as I've been doing vaccine education about the childhood vaccines for the last 21 years and now about the COVID shot, once you've been, inje- once you've been vaccinated, you can't unvaccinate. Once you've been injected with this product, you uh-huh. can't get it out of your body. It's a yeah. genetic modification technology that was designed to change your God-given genes. And right. there is nothing at this day and age that we know of so far, and I always leave that caveat open, uh-huh. there might be something forthcoming, but there's nothing that can get it, that can reverse it, nothing. Now, you can do detoxes and change your diet and, you know, do things to kind of mitigate the graphene oxide and the graphene hydroxide in your system. You can try to get rid of some of the nanotechnology lipids out of your system. But once you've been injected, you can't uninject, period. Right. And and what about the uh, transfection or, you know, that you know, type of thing issue? We call it, you know, transmission. And they really do believe it is a, an exosome now, an exosome of the, of the um, spike protein. So the spike proteins in your system, they get a little lipid coating around the outside of them called yeah. an exosome, and it can be tr- tr- droplet transmission by contact. Okay. And it's real. I mean, even the, even the New York Times this last week had an article talking about people's menstrual cycles that are disrupted by being around vaccinated people, being around wow. injected people. So wow. it's real. So wow. it's very, very real. And we've got a 300 times, in, a 300 times increase incidence of, of stillbirths. We've got over 300 times increase amount or a thousand times increase amount of neurological problems. We've got cardiac deaths that are happening like left and right. I got a text message yesterday morning from somebody who said that they were in a hospital. They worked on a COVID ward. There were only three patients in the hospital in that ward, three. 
that you could yeah. technically say were had COVID. Everybody else was there with cardiac arrests, myocarditis, cardiac arrhythmias, and heart bleeding, that the heart was so friable that it was mm-hmm. bleeding into the pericardial sac, and people had two chest tubes in their pericardium to suck off the blood that was bleeding from their heart muscle. Wow. This is real. It's very real. We've got a pediatric cardiologist who's now come out and said, we thought that the perhaps myocarditis rate from injecting children might be 2 or 3%. We're now, from doing cardiac MRIs, even on asymptomatic people, we're now convinced the myocarditis occurs in at least, at least 50% of children who get these shots, which means they will always be subject, they will always be at risk of sudden cardiac death. They will always be at risk of cardiac arrhythmias when they are activity or just running out in the street, uh, playing ball, or they, and they will definitely shave 10, 20 years off the back end of their life. And and it's a real fallacy to think that at a rate like 50%, the others are fine. For sure. You know, yeah. you can't really assume that. So, I mean, this kind of like sets the stage in a cliffhanger for the next conversation because this is not a 10-second thing to resolve. But um, I'm just super grateful for your time, and I hope that you're taking good care of yourself. I'm doing okay. Uh, I'm doing okay. It's a challenging environment, I know. So anyway, hold on. We'll say goodbye in the break, and we'll take up again when you come back next time. Thank you so much for having me on, Richard. I really appreciate it. Enjoyed it. So that was Dr. Sherry Tenpenny, probably very likely one of the most knowledgeable people on vaccines on the whole planet at the moment, and just working every day with huge numbers of interviews and meetings and things like that to try to do some good. I I just really appreciate people like that. So hopefully we'll give her a little bit more exposure and support and you guys can too. And she mentioned the two websites that you should go to Dr. Tanpenny.com and and the tanpennyalliance.org which I didn't even know about. I got to go and see what, what they're doing with that. And we're going to follow up with uh, trying to have somebody from the new healthcare system that she's putting together on the show. So we can tell you the details. Maybe there's ways to get involved in that, but it's going to be spreading all over the country and maybe further. I hope people in other countries need to do something similar. Um, And the book that she mentioned, extreme devotion is, is really relevant because it was about people like in the American Revolution, you know, except now. And it, I guess back all through history that have had to make the choice that we're all having to make now between convenience and being true to ourselves and what would be the real spiritual priority and value in the decision. And we've been trained for convenience as the top priority. It doesn't really work out well as far as the long-term results, sometimes even the short-term ones. So it's like being aware of a choice comes up, you stop and say, what, what is the choice really about? You know, what would be the right thing to do? And that, it sounds like that's what that book is just full of examples of people who did that with the right priorities. So want to get a hold of that book. I think that's the main message and we'll have to have Sherry back as soon as we can. Um, she's talking about some things that need further discussion transmission from people who are already infected. I, I still have, I, I don't mean infected, I mean injected 
And I still have hope that the millions of people who will be realizing, oh, maybe the shots were not a good idea, that there will be ways to heal them. Um, so anyway, sorry for the phone background noise. I have to leave this on for emergency stuff right now. Anyway, that was uh, Sherry Tenpenny. You might want to listen to some of that more than once. There's a lot of important stuff that she shared. Um, what else? If you want to see where we're on the air and not censored, go to lostartsradio.com slash live. And it's got the connections to the audio and the video channels that we're on. Um, stay in touch that way. And some of them are in danger of disappearing if they're big. Uh, but we're going to keep going as long as we can on all the platforms that are available. And if you want to help us stay on the air, we're not doing commercials at the moment. Um, so we have a donate button on lostartsradio.com and a subscribe star link, both of which work. And remember, this is our Sunday show. We have a Saturday show, and which is in the process of morphing into a new form right now, and also Planetary Healing Club in a non-censored environment for those of us who want to get deeper into the um, self-transformation to be able to contribute more to the, the world situation and change life quality. That, that gets deeply into all the stuff that we mentioned tonight. And so if you want to join us there, that's uh, planetaryhealingclub.com. And whether you do that or not, or just uh, work on your own or with friends or whatever, the bottom line message is um, take care of yourself. Get your physical health back as much as you possibly can. And as Dr. Tenpenny suggested, put the spiritual priority first. Everything else will follow. I think that's about it. So have a good rest of the weekend. I really appreciate your participation and support and uh, take good care of yourself. And we'll look forward to meeting you here next time. Have a good night. Introducing Lost Arts Radio on Subscribestar.com. Just go to Subscribestar.com slash Lost Arts Radio to find our rewards program offering 10 different giving levels starting at just 5 bucks a month. We offer incredible value for any rewards level, from extra monthly interview videos not available publicly to subscription-based Planetary Healing Club videos once, twice, or three times a month, to private counseling sessions with Lost Arts Radio host Richard Sachs, to tech help with me, Doug Diamond. We even have one option where you can be the star on Lost Arts Radio as our guest on a specially produced show just for you. We conduct an interview with you and broadcast it to our growing network and listenership. Our Subscribestar levels are one of a kind and offer great rewards for any budget. Please help support Lost Arts Radio. We can't do it without you. With increasing censorship on many of our channels, we really need your support today to keep doing what we're doing. As Richard says, we're not even at survival level yet. Lost Arts Radio has three weekly shows. Lost Arts Radio Live each Saturday night at 7.30 Eastern, 4.30 Pacific, which is a live stream currently on multiple platforms in case we get banned from some of the larger ones. Right now, we're on Facebook Live, Twitch, and DLive. You can access these broadcasts by going to www.lostartsradio.com live for all the links to those channels. The Planetary Healing Club meets right after Lost Arts Radio Live 
at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific on Saturday nights. And our Sunday show with guests airs at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific on Sunday nights on our Blog Talk Radio channel, our YouTube channels, Facebook pages, and on Brideon. Be sure to sign up for our free email list just in case we do get banned on Big Tech's platforms. It's just a matter of time, really. They don't like the stuff we talk about, and they do not want the truth out there. In fact, they have already attacked us numerous times. Join our free email list so we can let you know where we are and how to access our shows. The sign-up button is right on the top right on most pages of our website. The best starting point for all things Lost Arts Radio is our main site, lostartsradio.com, where you can find the hottest news selection videos that we curate just for you. Those are on the homepage and added to daily, as well as articles and breaking news about information you really need to know. Our show archives, the 10 most recent shows, are right on our homepage, as well as our Blog Talk Radio page at blogtalkradio.com slash lostartsradio, or just click the All Things Radio Show tab right on our website. We're in the podcast directory on iTunes, and all of our shows, except the banned ones, are on our YouTube channel, at Lost Arts Radio. Our Brideon page is really taking off, and we often have editors' picks videos right on their homepage. Visit Brideon.com slash channel slash Lost Arts Radio. On our site, you can also access our free listener forum, as well as sign up for the Planetary Healing Club, which is just $25 a month where you get private access to a one-on-one interaction with host Richard Sachs and myself and the other club members who participate live. More info can be found at planetaryhealingclub.com. We're providing solutions in there to make the world a better place. Come join us. Stay tuned because up next, you'll get to hear a really great song by an independent artist that we're doing our best to support. Go to lostartsradio.com slash music for the full list of all the great songs and bands that we spin on our audio-only podcast shows. If you're in a band and want to submit a song for consideration for airplay on Lost Arts Radio, visit my website at diamonddiscaudio.com for more information about the music placement, mastering, and mixing work that I do. Thanks again for listening to and supporting Lost Arts Radio. We love having you as part of our family to learn, experience, and grow with. The most wonderful things Seem just out of your Places seem strange and they unsteady your feet. You lay your head down, thinking nobody cares. You look around, thinking nobody's there. It's alright 